Hi, Julian here with a second episode of The Resilient Entrepreneur. And uh, we are really lucky today. We got the amazing Michelangelo Moran with us. What up, what up? Uh, who is pretty much the coolest and most fun and most happy entrepreneur I've ever met. And I've met a lot of them. <laughs> and um, I'm taking this quick opportunity to ask him a few questions about his life and his legacy. Because, Michelangelo, before we came to you, we just... I got on the scooter, you know, we are reporting here from today's Seminyak in Bali, and um, you're writing me a text and saying, listen, I'm going to come over right now, I just ordered my Gojak. <laughs> and Gojak, if you're not from Indonesia or Southeast Asia, it's like bigger than Uber and Lyft combined, probably by the number of rides, maybe factor three. It's really an incredible company. Everybody's using it. So Mike Angelo, or Mike as we say, how does it feel to order a service that millions of people are using every single day and that you were part of the story bringing this thing to life? Wow, man. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty, uh, uh, you know, well, how can I say? It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. I mean, it's, it, the fact that Gojek is, uh, it started off as a simple concept where we're just using motorcycle taxis to deliver to shop and also for rides and now it's become as big as it is where you can order everything from like cleaners to glamours to um i mean the list goes on and on and and we cannot go back to a time before there was gojek uh, i always say that but um it's pretty amazing to see how how big it's grown and it's one of those things that we made it we made a service mass market and um, the fact that you know it's it's used by everyone because of its convenience, its easeability, it's um, from the number of services that are there, it's yeah, it's pretty mind blowing how big it's grown, man. Yeah, it's it's really something. If you don't live in Southeast Asia, I maybe mean, use it all the time. Say for massages, I'll be use it to, you know, when we transport stuff for our own transportation. Um, rough idea, how many people are offering your services? currently drivers masseuses there must be millions um so we're at about 2.5 million drivers there's about 400,000 restaurants registered on uh, GoFood and there's about 6 no no more more than that maybe about 80,000 um what we call service providers which is the masseuses the cleaners and all that yeah, so uh, when we were at the event together speaking, I said, who else can say this? Created roughly 3.5 million jobs, something in that ballpark. Uh, people making a living, feeding their families, providing opportunities. Um, it is actually really just an amazing story. Um, what I focus on my podcast is resilience and how it is to build a startup. And when we discussed this initially, what I found amazing with you is Right now, the company is so big, it looks really easy, obviously VC-funded, and it's like looks like a walk in the park, mm -hmm. but it wasn't always that way. It took many years of this company to just kind of even get into the focus and get through the first starting path. Very right. true, very true. The very beginning stage, uh, I think uh, I can count a number of times where we almost shut down the company, just like with every other startup, you know? We're talking about, you know, you don't have enough money for for paying expenses, for paying rent. Um, I do always say this, that the, the success of Gojek is circumstantial to when and where we, where we started. The fact of the matter is that there is 250 million people in Indonesia. We fo only focused on Indonesia. 
Um, it's in a language and culture that we understand. The motorcycle taxi infrastructure was already there where we just all, we gave them a uniform, we gave them a brand, and then in the end, we gave them the tech. But the tech also came later. 2010, when me and Nadim started the company, it was, um, it was you know, one of those companies where, uh, sorry, one of those services where you had to call a call center to dispatch your Gojek and you couldn't scale. Like it was just one of those things where even in our peak of our, our operations, you had six people picking up the phone and six people um, dispatching. So um, we had, and also if we started the company with the tech in 2010, the best phone at that time was a Blackberry. So we had to wait for the market to catch up to Androids and iPhones where smartphone, I guess like, you know, the, the, the penetration was, was a lot higher in 2015 when we started the app in 2010. So a lot of different puzzle pieces which worked in our favor with time and also place. Um, but yeah, man, the struggle is real. In the very beginning, it, it, yeah, it was it was very very difficult. So you had how many years before you were kind of on a successful path where you could feel that you could grow, where you could actually make an impact, and this might turn into something big? Um, I think to, it took about four years. We launched Gojek as a dispatch service in 2011 January, and then we. We made the app and we got funded in 2014 from private equity and um, yeah, from private equity from Northstar. Me and Nadim went into the company full time. Uh, we built, we, we made a, a kind of like a tech team to build the app. We had an MVP by five or six months, launched the app in January 2015. But even then, we didn't know. I think the turning point was three months later when we launched GoFood. Because there's still this kind of like, you could call it, I guess, like, you know, um, uh, a mindset where I don't want to really ride a Gojek. Like, it's still not really safe. Should I, w would it be safe for me to also send items? You know what I mean? But once we launch GoFood, everybody needs to eat, right? So the fact that we had this service, I remember having people call me and be like, hey man, I love you guys, I love what you're going doing with Gojek, but I never used your service till GoFood happened. And then because of that, it really, really skyrocketed um, sales and also kind of like gave credibility to, co to the company. Grab, our main competitor, they, they didn't even have bikes. We were four months ahead before they launched Grab Bike and four months, you know, we were talking about this before. In four months, tech can appear in like years. So we were ahead of it, our time for yeah. sure. So what you have to imagine if you're not from Southeast Asia is that, you know, we go everywhere here by scooters. Uh, we have very limited road access. And so you cram hundreds and thousands of these little scooters in very, very tiny spaces. And then, you, you know, you go on your app, you call a Gojek scooter, for example. That's how I go to the airport when I, when I go to the office in Singapore. I put on my black suit, right, and my shirt. And I'm the only person in a black suit in all of Bali in the back of a Gojek. <laughs> and then this guy drives up to you for like, if, you know, sometimes less than like a dollar or two dollars for a short ride. It's super cheap. But then you kind of cuddle up the back of the scooter with some random person driving you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's obviously a, it's a cultural experience and something that we wouldn't do in, in Europe. But it has become so ingrained in the culture. It's become like, it, it's like as people say, you know, let me Google this for you. You know, they would say, I'm going to go Jack. Yeah. 
you the TV. I did that yesterday, the presentation, and I go jacked my TV, which has become a verb yeah. of somebody picking up your TV and bringing it to your house for a very, very little money. You can even let them, you know, do your groceries for you, right? Mm -hmm. So if we send somebody to a store, they're going to buy it for you, they bring it to you. It's really an incredible service, and I, I think it's, it's, it's an incredible work you have done. But about you personally, much more interesting, if it could be even more interesting, is that you left the business. Yeah. And um, if you have never met Mickey, he's, uh, when I first was introduced to him, my friend says, he's not what you expect from a <laughs> clean tech founder. And uh, it's something I would say about myself, as we're sitting here in flip-flops, both of us, uh, something I would say about myself, but he truly um, got to imagine he has a little bit longer hair now, but uh, he has become a serial entrepreneur and started his own recording label, a DJ training course, and he's one of the leading DJs in Bali, so if you're going up to an amazing beach club here, there's a good chance you're going to be seeing him on stage. Why did you do it? What does it bring to you, to your life, and why is it so important to you? I think um, in very end, I mean, like, Kojak was one of these things where I, you know, me and Nadim had this idea on how, you know, to make, I guess, like, Jakarta more... I guess like functional, more livable. It's uh, you. We knew traffic was really bad. We knew we weren't gonna solve. Nobody's ever gonna solve the traffic problem, and there was this chance to formalize an informal sector, to I guess like you know, give the services that Gojek has given. But it wasn't my concept. It was Nadim's concept, and also I, me, just having the I guess luck you could say of like you know knowing my best friend that that I started this company with we went on this journey and it grew to what it was but it was deep deep inside of me I knew that this wasn't for me my passion has always been in music as as Julian said I've been a DJ for a very very long time and I wanted to kind of create that same impact in in a hypothetical world it would maybe maybe someday create the same impact but trying to I guess like you know transform and give sort of like a platform for musicians and artists to learn to grow to to I guess like have a space where they can just create cool cool stuff so here in Bali Praia there's a recording studio there's a lounge there's a music school there's a networking platform because a lot of DJs and artists are passing through and it's it's a small operations but it's it's created something unique in the music space worldwide and also I would say for sure in Bali. So that's that's why I started it. And he's incredibly authentic about it and uh, you know I've known him now for a while and we've been friends for a while now and he, he really has an incredible very joyful lifestyle. And uh, what I find amazing is uh, you know I come from Germany if, if you step away from you know Gojag is a multi-billion dollar company at this point. I'm just taking a wild guess. Mm -hmm. it's a, and, yeah, it's uh, Indonesia's first unicorn and first decacorn as yeah. well as 10 billion already. And so this guy goes away. I just can't imagine what my mother would have said. You know, he builds a <laughs> billion crazy. dollar company. <laughs> and, you know, he settles in, in, in Bali, which, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a resort island, let's put it. It's not really a major economic hub. It's, it's not a New York or a Silicon Valley even. And becomes the happiest DJ I know. Uh, not always playing the biggest sets, I would say. You're more like an afternoon kind of yeah, guy, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like he's not a DJ superstar, but he's the happiest DJ I've ever met. <laughs> and so, how did you live with that expectation personally to walk away from a billion dollar company to do what makes you happy as a person? Um, 
I would say, you know, I, I, I said this when I was when I was leaving Gojek, you know. Um, I forgot what was the words exactly. But it's like, you know, you could you could have all the money in the world and have all of the success in the world, but when you feel it in your heart that this is not your passion or or you know, like making you feel whole, then I guess the best thing to do is just walk away from it. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where I knew that Gojek was just like a, an interim thing. It's it, as crazy as it is because so many people would be like, man, I would kill to be in your position. But I felt like, you know, when I hit a billion dollars, I've already made my mark. I knew that myself in my own professional capability I took it to where it needs to go. I'm a Jakarta boy. I know how to market to Jakarta people. I also think that, you know, just from my linear pathway in like, I guess my education where I went to, I studied marketing. I, I went to Academy of Art University in San Francisco where I learned digital design and, and all the nine yards of, of, you know, motion graphics, websites, whatever, where I branded the whole company of Gojek. I, I, I was the creator of the of the logo and I've done what it needs to do in order to get there. Once Gojek became, you know, its unicorn status, we were marketing in Surabaya, we were marketing in Makassar, all that. And I'm like, man, this is this is a language and a world which I don't speak. And as you know, companies get to a point where it gets so corporate and you've led the way to where it gets from point A to B. And then they will find another person to take it from B to C and D and E and wherever it needs to go. So it's it's a it's a huge thing to be able to, I guess, like do that. And I know a lot of people hit me up and was like, man, that's such a respectable thing that you even realized yourself that you've done what you needed to do. And it's time for another person to take that role and take it to where it needs to be. But I could also, and I don't know how you feel about it, I've kind of gone through the same process, right? I, I was built something that was very close to myself. I'm a startup entrepreneur. I like the chaos. I'm, I say, I don't work, I'm a creative. Yeah. And I think with that, we will be have in common. But I, I just couldn't see you running a back office operation for a billion dollar company and a corporate headquarter in Jakarta. Could you even imagine that for yourself or there was always an absolute no-no? You don't want to do that for whatever money in the world. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you look back at it, I think uh, one of the things where I knew I had to stop was my health was getting affected. I mean, a lot of people, they, 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 they get into this whole motion where you you struggle with work-life balance and because of that my health was starting to get affected and because of that I was just like man you could create the biggest company in the world but once you know health is wealth man and if you're not taking care of yourself and you're you're basically you know I was like getting sick all the time going to hospitals I'm like I went up to Nandim I'm like dude I don't know if this is worth it anymore you know so took a big transition out um, had to go through some family stuff where my brother also passed away which was a really really big thing um and then kind of like thought about the next thing which is like okay what can i do in music which i can try to create an impact and bali praia was the answer and and here we are right now you know the, the one of the first events we spoke at together was i was just in the audience and somebody asked the question remember that was one of your events uh mickey actually has fantastic events for entrepreneurs he's he's very outspoken of passing on his 
his own experience. And um, we were in this room and there were a lot of young entrepreneurs building small businesses. And, and this one guy, remember, was asking the question, how do you deal with fear? How do you deal with the pressure? Mm -hmm. And everybody else on the panel was, was like, you know, well, you just have to, you know, you need to be really good at what you do. You need to do this, you need to do that. And I said, and uh, to a certain extent, we all felt like this was, um, in, in the session, I think the both of us looked at each other and said, um, you know, we don't see that. It's going to take a lot more than being good. At a certain point, your health is going to suffer. And if you're not in it for the long haul, it's not what you really want to do. It's better to get out and let other people do your job. Yeah. Um, when you're reaching the superstar status running a billion-dollar company, how did it affect your life? How did it affect your feeling? And, and how did it make you feel? Did you feel better as a human being, being CEO of a billion-dollar company or running Bali Praia? I said no, that's I mean, the most important question to sum up. I think um, the, the turning point of people could actually see it, feel it, sense it in s literally within a week of me leaving Gojek. It's one of those things where they're just like, man, I saw how you were before and how scattered you were and how stressed you were. And the fact that you made this call in order to, you know, I guess like better your health and your mental state. Like they were like, man, you're so centered now. You're so much happier. You're so much more zen. So in that respect, Definitely, like you know, like where we haven't gone to the Bali Pride stage. I'm talking about that, that black and white sort of like comparison where I knew like I did what I did the right thing because even from myself, I wasn't liking the person that I was becoming. You know, I would be, let's say, like you know, we were doing this podcast. I'd be like, Yo, Julian, give me a minute. I need to like answer a like. Gojek just like works in light speed, man. Sometimes decisions just need to be made on the spot, whether it be like. Oh, we're gonna put this social media post up where um, uh, the the fares are gonna change from six thousand per kilometer to five thousand, and it, Nadim would be like calling me like crazy, being like, "Dude, we need to get this up and blah blah blah," and that's just how how it was, and that's led to the success of work because we were just on it, you know what I mean? But as I said. It's one of those things where, like, you know, mental state, health, everything was getting affected. So I think in the end, I was working towards just being better and being happier. And right now with Bali Praia, I know that I will never get to that state again because that I knew that was kind of like my dark side. And I'm just kind of like taking it as it goes. And so far, it's been doing pretty well. So, yeah. no, I'm just, uh, you know, after seeing you for the last, you know, year and a half here, it's, it's really either you have achieve such an incredible balance with a beautiful wife, of traveling, of doing what you like to do, of being happy. I've, I don't think I've ever seen you stressed, and I think when you, <laughs> when you are stressed, you just walk away. And yeah, You've yeah. gotten pretty good at saying no at the same time. You, you don't get involved in stuff you don't want to do. Yeah, that's um, for sure. I, I think that's, that's a huge difference. Uh, one final question I always have to ask is uh, just knowing you, I'm quite sure that making a lot of money was not the reason you got to work and found a Gojack. How important has been the money as a driving factor to build that company and for yourself? Um, the thing is with Gojack, you know, we always get asked this question, did you know that it was going to be as big as it's going to be? I mean, like nobody could ever predict the future, right? It was, as I said, so many different puzzle pieces that came together and, and it grew 
the way I did. I think money was never, never the, 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 the driving force. It was about how do we make this city, this country better? And how do we work on creating a product where people just became so dependable on it? And how, you know, it's, it's an ecosystem where you're connecting literally demand, which is customers, supply, which is drivers, and, and kind of like a, a way of connecting all these dots where everybody benefits, you know what I mean? While also making money. It's just like you're, you're benefiting businesses, you're benefiting drivers. And so once we always stuck to that, um, I guess like fundamental, I believe the three pillars was speed, innovation, and social impact, the money always came later. And, and, and we are so blessed to, to, you know, I always, every time I talk about Gojek, I always you know, thank everyone because for people who are, you know, we wouldn't be where we are if people are not using our service. Yeah. But, and then people come up and be like, hey, you created a great product. So... And the, yeah. the whole country wouldn't be where it is right now. It yeah. has such a big impact. It it's really has uh, revolutionized the way how people live, how people work in this country. One final question, and then I'll let you go. Um, right now, GoJag is a privately held company. I have no idea how many shares you still hold. I also don't care. Mm. But hypothetically, GoJag would go public tomorrow for billions and billions of dollars, and a few billion dollars would end up on your account. Would you change anything in your life? What would you do with it? How would you change your life? How it would change you, or would it change you at all? I don't think so, because I've never been. I've never like you know, not a guy would be like, yo, if I give you like a million dollars right now, are you gonna buy a Ferrari? It's just like, of course, like I would be making sure that myself, my family, we we live, you know, I guess a, a comfortable life. But I think in in the very end, I think. As a co-founder of one of the biggest tech companies in Indo, I think I would owe, I would use the money to try to provide way or a platform for other startups to, I guess, get to Gojek's level. You know what I mean? One of the things I, I know, like within myself, like I, I got some money from Gojek and I invested in, I invested in funds that focuses on startups because I, I was once there. And if there's a way, you know, I want to play my part on, 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 you know, giving out money to, I guess, like platforms like funds that focus on, you know, startups to incubators and, and I guess make them grow, man. So that's what I would be using my money for. I mean, one of, of course, like there's probably other things, but that's one of the things that I would be doing. Yeah, also, driving Ferraris in Bali is totally stupid, right? <laughs> we just don't have the roads here for it. No, but I want to thank you, Mikey, because it's really, it's, it's amazing talking to you, and, and we have so many points in common well. in, in, in what we do and what we believe in. I just don't see you going out there spending a billion dollars. <laughs> and um, I don't think it's going to change your life because you have an amazing life. I know your wife a little bit. I know your life a little bit. It, it doesn't get much better. Yeah. Um, I would say you're one of maybe one of the top three happiest entrepreneurs I've ever met in my life. Oh, thank you. And this is what this podcast is really about because if I can, can sum it up, the incredible things we have learned today, again, is there are so many problems in this world we can solve through technology, through hard work, through new products, through different processes. If you focus on that and you're lucky and a lot of good things come together, 
the mm -hmm. money will follow, right? Exactly. Never let money be your driving factor in doing anything. At least for me, mm -hmm. it's never worked. The second thing is stay healthy and stay happy because we have very many different kinds of entrepreneurs. I think both of us are classic startup entrepreneurs. We like to start things. We like to be hands-on. We like to work with our customers. We, we like to be there. You, mm -hmm. you, know, you, you like to be a DJ. You like to be out with the crowd. Mm -hmm. You don't want to run a DJ company that's 500 DJs and never be out there in the field, yeah. right? I mean, so, yeah, it, it, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, give it your all and, and love what you're doing. Because once it gets stressful, I always say this, it's just like, if it's stressful being in it, then out of it, it's, you might as well just get out of it. Because that's where the fun doesn't happen anymore. Exactly. You know? And then all for, for losing the fun, kind of the money just doesn't compensate. I mm. think that is the other thing. And so it's about life-work balance. Again, it's, it's about knowing yourself. What kind of entrepreneur are you? There are other people who want to play this thing all the way to the moon uh, and IPO and, and grow with the challenges. Other people, you know, like me and myself, we, we have other priorities in life at this point. That doesn't mean that you can't pass on the company. That doesn't mean you can't grow. That doesn't mean that you can't be responsible for what you have. So it depends on you. But the most important thing from today even building a billion-dollar company in a rapidly growing